Greetings, sisters, non-binary siblings, brothers, cousins, all of you, I presume, fellow humans. On the other hand, is there something particular about some humans that lets us know they are extra-human? Or maybe to avoid any temptation for egos or colonized minds to interpret that as a division of inherent aboveness and belowness, does that particular something tell us that someone is a good example of a human? Can this thing that is human extend to non-humans, perhaps even artificial life forms? In this episode of I Like People, we will not explore the last question I just asked, and instead proceed to be imminently practical with our guest Stephen. Afterwards, we talk about music. Some of it is this music. Due to the experimental recording arrangement, you may notice some echo. Thank you for joining with us. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us. What would you like to say to describe yourself? <laughs> Ooh. Wait, no, that oh, that's kind of wow, yeah, that's intimidating, isn't it? A little bit. It's it's like, you know, I'm I'm this person, I do this and these are the places I have been and the things I've done. Going through describing my own history, you know, how I came about with my parents and all this other stuff because I I feel like that's what a sense of identity would be. Um, and if you have any, any of you have a suggestion for how to rephrase that question too, I am totally open. But yeah, let's hear it. Okay, wh- where do your name and sense of identity come from? Oh well, I'm Stephen Sotelo. My first name is actually comes from my dad, and well, my last name too. But I was going to be the fourth Ramon in a long line of Ramones, but uh, ultimately my dad decided against it, and both he and my mom just like the name Stephen. I would say my identity is definitely rooted from my parents, but I've become my own person, you know, growing up. Uh, they were good parents. Apparently my brother and I were really good kids too. Uh, my dad likes to talk about how my brother and I were never that screaming kid in the restaurant. He had to take outside to calm down from a meltdown. So um, it was things that they kind of taught us that, you know, eventually started the person that I would become. But uh, back to the uh, sense of identity, I, I guess, you know, once you grow up, you kind of see the person that you want to be. Um, you see how other people are and, you know, what you don't want to be and um, how you want to treat other people just based on your reactions and interactions with other people. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's mainly where my sense of identity comes from. Wow, that's cool. I hear you talking about kind of having, um, I mean, wow, it's, I don't even, there's not enough information to place a judgment on it, but like a good upbringing or rather a, a upbringing that, helped you more than it broke you yeah i think if you have a good upbringing you know you're kind of set later on you know if your parents are good to you you presume that you're gonna be good too and you know maybe it's not always the case but if you see that your parents are good to other people and you know they want you to be a good person too i think you really take that and grab it and run with it as you grow up because you kind of see you know how your family was and you kind of want to mirror the same thing 
So, you know, they, they were never bad parents. You know, I, I didn't have like a bad upbringing or anything like that. So I think that truly transcended later on in life. And, you know, it's what I want to reflect on. And, you know, if I were to ever have kids, you know, I want them to see how I am with people and make sure, well, hopefully pray that they're going to be the same type of people. Yeah, that kind of leads into the second question, because I had a friend tell me recently, if you want a very human experience, um, you can go ahead and have uh, children because <laughs> they will they will make you realize like all these human things. Um, and the second question of the seven questions to save humanity, which these are, I failed to introduce that, except just now. Uh, what does being human mean to you? Being human is just not being selfish. I mean, it's willing to even so much as take one step to help another person. It's so easy to do nothing than to do something. And I don't want to say it takes everything to do something, but you know, you need the thought, you need to act on the thought and actually move your feet to go do something. And a prime example would just be, you know, you see someone struggling to just carry a box or, you know, they're carrying a box inside a store, you know, you have the action to help them by opening up the door or not, or even just helping out with the box. It is infinitely easier to do nothing than do something. And I think being a human is just taking that extra step to actually help someone. I mean, in the comparison, there are animals out there that will sacrifice their whole being for their young. You know, like, let's say the spider crab, it will sacrifice its whole being for its children to provide food for it. And I'm not saying, you know, carve a pound of flesh off your body and give it to your best friend or anything like that. But don't be like... <laughs> Are you sure? I, I mean, okay. Absolutely. Definitely don't do that. But don't be like a hyena that would, you know, during a feast, grab the largest part of the meal and just keep it all to themselves. It's it's hard for a lot of people to kind of be that self-sacrificing. You know, you don't have to sacrifice your whole being for someone, but even time is important to people. Some people don't want to sacrifice their time for another person. Let's say a friend asks you for help on the weekend, you know, whether it's moving or just, you know, yard work or something like that. And you've been busy all week and, you know, your first initial thought is declining help and just wanting to do what you regularly do on the weekend. The extra step of offering help and sacrificing a day or even just a few hours to help someone uh, under that same kind of sacrificing attitude. I think that's what being human is to me. Wow, that's that's really cool. So if humans have the potential to be different kind of animal and one way is like the hyena and the other is like the spider crab, um, what does it mean to encounter these humans that are maybe more like hyenas? Do, do we still call them human, right? Or is it is it something else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's I would consider them just a selfish human being. I mean, <laughs> there we go. It's hard because, you know, you can see people that will see someone in need of help and then just completely ignore them. And again, it falls into the line of it just being so easy to do nothing. That's a, um, well, I guess it's, it's, if we define human in this way, maybe we can, we can hope that, uh, humans will be more that way, I guess. Third question. Was there ever a point that you began to wonder about your reality? I think in the uh, the question that you had sent me, um, it mentioned describing an experience that inspires wonder in you. Oh, um, okay, yeah. So I, I'm I mean I kept trying to refine the questions, but yeah, let's go with that that one. 
Yeah, because I, I didn't have a good answer for that one. There was a person from a church I was attending at the time who would often arrange cleanups near this area where the homeless kind of pitch up their tents and congregated. And it was just kind of, you know, you go through the area, you get rid of trash, you try to clean up, you know, use needles, being careful, especially of that stuff. And we kind of had like a little powwow before the cleanup. And it was this one gentleman, and I, I guess he just consistently volunteered. He'd done this countless times. And uh, he made sure he talked to us beforehand. You know, just he knew every single one of them by name. And he looked us all in the eyes and just told us that, you know, they were just people trying to live their lives, not to be afraid of them. They were just people. And ever since hearing that, because uh, this has happened when I was in a teenager, that's always resonated with me. If there was ever like an American hero, I would definitely describe it to be this person. But <laughs> this is an experience that has kind of, you know, changed me from having the outlook on strangers even because even with strangers you know sometimes you're just naturally afraid of them you don't know this person you know sometimes they can look a little shady but you truly don't honestly know how their life has been you know maybe they're just having an off day or a bad day and perception is everything so you know you need to spend the time to get to know somebody not everyone is as bad as you might perceive them to be that that person could be a generally amazing person you just you'll never know it until you interact with them and speak with them yeah that's that's cool what if uh, i'm not good at this (laughs) that's interesting that's cool i mean i don't really have a lot uh, let me just put it this way does that come into play when we encounter selfish people too do you think maybe like something happened to them and you know at first we might be you know you shouldn't be that way but if we had the chance if we had the chance and we often don't uh to really get to know them might we find that uh, the reason they're doing that is because of some pain or or something that uh, really hurt them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a person can hold a grudge for a lifetime. You know, one wrongdoing can resonate with them the rest of their lives. Maybe one person was just extremely mean to them and they'll never be nice for the rest of their life. But it could take another person to come into their life to completely change that. So although one thing might change them and be you know, make them into a mean person. Another person can come in and make them a nice person. And all it takes is just going out of your way to do something for someone. So, you know, not, not everybody remembers everything nice that, you know, someone has done for them, but there's always one person that will seem to resonate with you for the rest of your life. Wow. It's a, you've, um, have you put really a lot of thought into this? Cause you, you seem to be able to distill these answers down into like very, simple understandable language yeah um the questions made me think a lot just about my past experiences and how exactly it's turned me to the person that i am and just thinking on all the the stuff that might have happened in my life either a teenager as far as back as i can remember that have always just stuck with me i know the talk is that every memory that you think of is you just trying to remember the last time you remember that i hope that later on in life i'm not going to get to the point where i'm going to forget all these things but there's a lot of staples like that in my life like the guy that i mentioned where i feel as if i'm always going to remember that because it's something i want to model myself after i want to be that person you know i want to yeah strive and make myself better to become that not take a step backwards but take a step forward that's amazing. Can you repeat what you said about memory? I, I'm not sure if I quite understood. They they say that you're you remembering something, just a memory, is you trying to remember the last time that you remembered it. 
So as time goes on, you're not necessarily remembering the experience. In a way, you're playing telephone with yourself and it can get distorted over time. Exactly. That's why they tell you, you know, if you do journals, if you do diaries, do it to your best effort to try and make those details concrete and never fade away. But, you know, time changes everything. Wow, that's fascinating. Because, yeah, I did actually start a project once to rewrite my memoirs every 10 years and 10 years passed and I tried sitting down and writing it and I thought, oh, I've covered this already. But when I wrote it a little bit, I realized things were changing and I and I can't exactly tell. I haven't compared them yet, but I think I should try to continue that project soon before it's before it's 20 years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, then maybe you'll have an answer for this, too. What is the best way we can honor life? I think the best way to honor life is just respect everyone and everything. I think sharing stories is important. I know it doesn't have a direct and immediate impact on life, but down the line, a story, I mean, it essentially became history, can really affect a life in some way. And again, following on the detail of it, it might not be immediate, but, um, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty, but looking back on past history especially with the way that humanity has treated people you know looking back on that and then kind of looking at where we're now you know we've improved from that and so i think you know people that have kind of been hurt treated them in the past we honor those lives in the past by being better people about it now we're all trying to make things better but we're honoring the lives of you know these people in the past by sharing these stories and sharing this history and building upon it and trying to improve you know humanity as a whole and it's a giant puzzle and there's a lot of pieces that are missing you know but everyone's trying to fill it and create this big better picture the best way to truly honor life is sharing stories wow that's really cool one thing that i can resonate there with the idea that nothing is perfect, but we can keep trying is I've always had it in mind that when I received education in the Western school system and I was given quotes and things to read and told that we honor these particular writers, something that stuck with me was the idea that, wow, a lot of this is good advice. Uh, Why don't we take this advice? And I started kind of like mentally collecting advices from the past, from that even if those people said wise things and did unwise things, I still thought, well, I'm going to still try to do the wise thing that they learned or they taught. And I think that is my way of trying to respect all that wisdom. Is that kind of something like what you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, someone who has accumulated all these experiences and then kind of composing a quote out of it, you know, something that might keep with you for the rest of your life. And, you know, maybe they didn't say it with that exact intention, but the majority of the quotes that we read and see are, are people trying to affect other lives. So if there is something that is said out there and you hold it to your heart as, you know, tightly as that and you want to reflect on it, I, I think that's a huge thing. Some people, they might have the intention to say a quote. That way they can just say it 
you know, for the rest of eternity. But there are people who will say things and, you know, someone else might take that as their own quote. So it's not intended to be said and, you know, ascribed within a book, but the, another person might hear it and they hold that closely to their heart and they want to build on that. So I, I think that's really important. Thank you. Thank you for that. Question five, what does community mean to you? Community is knowing and speaking with your neighbors, uh, in, in my opinion. Not having giant walls that separate you where you'll never speak to them. Back onto the, it's so much easier to do nothing than to do something. Even if it's just saying hi to them. You know, if you see them outside and, uh, again, like if they're struggling with a box or groceries, you know, offer to help. Don't be a stranger that you live, you know, right next to and ignore them for the whole entire time as you both live your lives. The last time I lived in an apartment complex, um, I knew every single one of my neighbors. I can't say that now because uh, we're kind of discouraged from congregating and, you know, speaking to each other, especially because of the uh, environment that we're in. Um, but the last time I lived in an apartment, um, I would always say hi to everybody that was out and about. Uh, the neighbor above me, you know, became friends with them. We used to exercise together. Um, I helped him study for a test for a job that he wanted. Uh, the neighbor diagonal for me, he was an older fellow who took care of his mom and his brother since they were so much older than him. He was a guy that wasn't really on his feet, so he would spend time, you know, digging through trash cans for bottles and things like that. So what I used to do was just collect all the ones that I had and leave in a bag. And anytime I know it was the day before him going to check, I'd leave it for him because I, I knew he would spend his time to dig through all this stuff. So just That's so sweet. try to make try to make life a little bit easier for him. So you can have small walls, but not giant walls. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you don't want to isolate yourself from the rest of the world. I mean, being community is just just being friendly, being nice, you know, being there for the people around you. It doesn't have to be to the point where, you know, you're with them 24-7, doing everything, devoting your entire life to them. But in the times that they do need it, or even in the times where they're not asking for help, but they do need it just to be there for them. That's very sweet. I think that really could contribute to what we were talking about, where that person who might be hurt could just feel a little more invited to be healed. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the last two questions. Question six is what projects or collaborations are you presently most excited about? Um, there are no project collaborations that I'm working on, but it, I, I like seeing other people work on things. I mean, the whole idea and process of it all, like you guys are living and breathing it. You're starting from this inception, you know, the ideas that you released to have, you started with that, made the bolt, poured in the slip, and you all did it in such a legit way for the first time. It was amazing to see you do it and just be able to watch it. Oh, it's stuff like that that I'm the most excited about. Like seeing my friends make such beautiful art, it's, it's not just going to a museum or going to an art gallery and appreciating, you know, this work. It's seeing you guys do this all from scratch. And it, it's stuff that I'm so fascinated with. It's something I'm passionate about, you know, you often daydream about like, oh, you know, I would love to do this. I would love to make a mug or sculpture or things like that. And then you guys are doing it. And all like that, you're connecting and communicating with all your friends and, uh, asking them for tips, asking them for help, and they're so gladly helping you guys through this whole process. Thank you. It, it is a complex thing. 
Yes, we um, for the audience who might not be aware, we're, um, my partner and I are starting a, a ceramics business, and we're just experimenting with all the things that are required to slip cast and getting advice and watching videos and just trying to figure it out. Actually, Stephen, that's what it really excites me too. My own friends, uh, when people ask me, you know, what kind of comics and things I follow and like, I just, it, I'm really not being dishonest when I say I prefer like the things that I'm seeing my friends do. I, I get most excited about seeing that rather than something that became produced by a, a media company. That's fine. And it's fine if my friends do that too. But I just, I get so pleased with being uh, close to uh, people who are working really passionately for a, a creative purpose. Yeah, I think it's the support of your friends in being out there for them and then, you know, giving them words of encouragement or, again, like, you know, when you go to Jay or someone else and they kind of give you these tips and uh, tricks on how to do this work because, you know, you guys are entering this world for this art and, you know, you both might have experience with it, you know, here and there about it, but um, the fact that you're making connections and you guys are creating a community in this way through this artwork you know, you have the people that make these things. You have the people that appreciate these things. You have the people that help and build up other people as they're creating these art. The things you guys are doing here is kind of bringing people together in that way. I think it's really awesome. I'm more excited about supporting someone in a project or the collaboration. I love seeing your guys' thoughts and ideas come to life. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. That that sounds almost like an answer to question seven, but I'll ask it anyway. How can we all realize more human happiness together? Just be nice to people. And, and don't expect to be paid back for being nice to someone. Just do have the kindness and selflessness of your heart. Kind of what I was saying earlier, everyone doesn't remember every single nice thing that someone has done for them, but everyone remembers at least one person that has done something nice for them that has affected them in such a huge way that you know it reflects throughout the rest of their life. What example that I would have... At a time, I wanted to be a firefighter. Um, I'd attended fire academy for a couple classes, and it wasn't until I kind of saw the people I was in class with, and there were these huge guys that played uh, football their entire lives, did wrestling their entire lives. They had no problem picking up a person. And here I am, this little skinny kid with an afro, thinking I could become this. Um, and so I was very discouraged for it. And it's okay, you know, I don't regret this at all. But there was a, uh, a guy who would teach the class and he would rotate out different people because we would go through all these subjects and they'd bring someone who, you know, was a master or professional in that field and then kind of do it on them, you know, life experiences. And towards the very end of the class, um, the guy was talking about, you know, first impressions and, you know, things that you want to do for someone that will, you know, truly impress them because the, the local fire stations will get so many applicants and, you know, they want to go with people that do have a good resume, but they also want to go with someone that, you know, they perceive as a good person, not just on paperwork, but in the experience they have on an interview. And again, that perception is everything. And so what he's kind of talking about, you know, his perception of these people, he talked about people that would show up to class super late, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. In his mind, he was being completely honest with us. He says, you know, this guy right here comes into class late every single day, 15 minutes late. I wonder, is this truly important to him? Maybe he has something you know, going on in his life that's causing him to be so late. He's never said anything. I haven't asked him. But just based on that perception, this is what I think of him. 
and said, this guy right here with the afro, he's here every single day an hour early. And in my mind, I'm thinking it's not really, you know, by choice. I'm taking the bus <laughs> to get to class early. So, you know, I, I am a punctual person. But again, he pointed out this person's being punctual. I completely admire that. And he asked me my name, told my name. He says, Stephen, I'm going to remember you for the rest of my life for being that early. And, you know, maybe he doesn't. You know, and if he doesn't remember, it's totally okay. It's not something I'm going to, you know, have on my grave or anything like that. But him saying that has brought me happiness. You know, it's made me want to build on that punctuality. And it's always been something I'm passionate about. I always want to be on time, be early. That's amazing. That is a great answer. All of your answers are really uh, just to the point and I think could possibly even, I think we might have helped some people out today. I really hope we did. That was that was yeah, awesome. Well, there's just one more question, which is the question that's asked by the previous guest. It's always different, and then and then you're invited to ask a question for the next guest. And the the question that the last guest Tad's asked was, "Have you seen September Clues?" Is that a movie? Yes, it's a movie. I have not. I've never even heard of it. Um, and there's your answer. What's your question <laughs> for the next guest? So the same way that people kind of recommend places to people, it's kind of under the same field. Is there somewhere that, that you have visited that you would like to share with someone else? And it, it doesn't have to be an eatery. You know, it could be a park, like a national park or somewhere like, let's say the you know area that you at least like to hike. Is that some, you know, somewhere that you would like to recommend to someone? But the, to the next guest, you know, it could be a park, an eatery, a place for just the sights, but somewhere, something that brings you joy and you will deliberately go out of your way to go visit just to reinvigorate yourself with that happiness and that joy. Sweet. Awesome. Okay. Do you want me to write it in a text format? I think I got it. That is a great question. And on to the uh, music review portion. The song I picked is Slip Like Space by Armor for Sleep on their 2003 album Dream to Make Believe. Specifically the demo version. Armor for Sleep is this band from New Jersey and they started I think 2001, 2002, I can't remember. They're what you would call now is like an alternative rock band. But back in the day, uh, this was in the days of MySpace, they were considered an emo music band. Now, so I've never understood the term emo. Does that, did that, because I always thought if emo is emotional, isn't that kind of like all music of, in history? I mean, some music I think you could perceive as the opposite of emo, you know, happy lyrics, happy music. So the only but, emotion that they're describing is like unhappy. Yeah, it, you're expressing sad feelings and sorrow and pretty much rock music, but you're almost just singing songs of sorrow. You're not, you know, singing about like, yeah, life is perfect, life is great, and, you know, I love my girlfriend, I love going to school. In the MySpace days, they considered the emo music, you know, tough, and I'm, you know, uh, having a bad day, and describing, you know, the emotional things that they're going through. That's uh, weird, because it, emotion is so many different things. Why would emotion, or the word emotion, take on such a negative meaning? I honestly don't know, I and I wish I could remember when this uh, term was kind of brought into school, but uh, that was always a constant 
in high school. You know, you would see a goth kid and everyone would call him like an emo kid, you know, for whatever reason. But it, it definitely branched out to where it kind of coined those terms. That That's what it was considered back in the day. But uh, Armor for Sleep, they were one of the first bands I kind of discovered on my own. It wasn't a band that someone had recommended to me and saying like, hey, you should check out this band. Um, I was perusing MySpace, you know, looking for music, and I just happened to fall into this profile for this band. So I started listening to the music and this specific song. <laughs> I did not realize it was a demo at the time. I thought it was their regular song on their album. So later on in life, we know I got a job and I could buy CDs back when we were collecting CDs, not digital format. I bought the CD and I would listen to it in the car only to find out that it didn't sound the same. Yeah. And I was freaking out thinking, did I get a bad CD <laughs> or did you know, something happen? But again, to find out later in life, they actually classified that specific song on MySpace as a demo. It wasn't in the title, and it wasn't until I think I'd used Pandora when it first came out to find out that that specific track was a demo that was only released on MySpace. So anytime I listen to the regular one on the uh, album, I don't particularly like that one. I like to go back to the demo version. That's amazing. Uh, that was the one that I fell in love with. I, I you know, I, I prefer that one so much more than the uh, quote-unquote studio version. All right. Well, let's compare them. Um, we'll play Armor for Sleep Slip Like Space demo version. It, it sounds like nice and folky, but then it jumps into what I would almost call like heavy metal or prog metal or something. Do you listen to things like anything like Metallica? Uh, Metallica, no. Classic rock I never truly got into. It was more stuff that had come out when uh, I was in high school. One of the genre that kind of spawned during that time, similar to the term emo, was the genre screamo, uh, which okay. I think now they call um, hair metal, like hair bands. Uh, kind of. And I rock it past the moon. Say Everyone kind of takes their inspiration from back in the day from you know glam rock, hair rock, and hair metal and things like that. So, I mean, everyone has inspiration from them, definitely. This was kind of the start of that. I didn't have, like, too much of a music taste in high school. I just kind of listened to whatever my parents had listened to. And it wasn't until the, you know, time of MySpace that I ventured out and started discovering things on my own. I've always loved this band ever since listening to them. Uh, I was really sad because it was kind of a bad time to get into them because I did not have a job and could not go out and see them. And especially uh, with them being from New Jersey and only kind of touring on the East Coast, I was never able to see them. And then later on in life, they broke up as a band. I was really sad about it. But lo and behold, they decided to do a reunion tour. I'll be in the so 
as soon as they announce those dates, I text my brother, let him know I got tickets, and we're going to go see them in San Francisco. Awesome! Congrats! That's amazing! Yeah. I don't care now. Nothing's real. I, I got to recommend to anybody, if there is a band out there that gets back together and you even have a smidge of wanting to see them, please do it before anything else happens. It is something that you might regret. There is so many concerts I regret. You know, not begging my parents to go take me when I was a teenager. You know, I, if I had begged a little bit more, you know, summed up a little bit more tears to go see this band, you know, before they broke up, I, I, I recommend doing that. I thought I was a big fan. I thought, you know, I, I had known all the songs. So, following the line, you know, CDs being the big thing at the time, there was a hidden track, a track zero on their uh, second album uh, What to Do When You're Dead This girl behind me in the concert recited the whole entire thing I, I didn't know a single word from it and I thought I was a huge fan but this girl blew me out of the water <laughs> it's always fun to go to concerts and meet people like this Absolutely Yeah, I can hear that it sounds it, 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 it sounds like indie rock it sounds 90s, but it also sounds like early 2000s, really. And okay, I'm just looking up Screamo, also referred to as Scrams. And apparently it is, uh, according to Wikipedia, kind of appeared with the success of bands like Thursday, Under Oath, Silverstein, Hawthorne Heights, and Senses Fail. And then... That exactly describes that. Okay, I haven't heard ev- any of those. <laughs> so this is great. I'm, I love doing this because it really helps me understand uh, the full terrain of music. Yeah, on the same term of emo, I mean, that, that was essentially the music. It was the other thing, too, that kind of classified as scream of music was the type of singing. And a lot of people, especially adults, when they would hear the music, like, that's not singing, that's just screaming. And so that's essentially what it became. And it's just a type of singing where you're screaming melody. And I, I got to give props to anybody that's able to do it because some people who don't know how to properly do it, they will legit hurt their vocal cords while doing it. It sounds and, basically like punk. I mean, I used to listen to quite a few weird punk groups such as Propagandi. And, and it always seemed to me that things that they later created very narrow genres for were basically descriptions of of punk mating with other genres and like producing these particular these like odd offsprings no pun intended <laughs> yeah that, that is exactly it's just a branch of all these you know rock genres that existed before this time and they all took inspiration and then exactly like you said just an offspring of these different things i would definitely you know correlated to punk in that same way that you know they're just kind of screaming these lyrics at your audience it's just amazing but this was the stuff i grew up with in high school and i still listen to it to this day but in its own way you know you don't call like throat singing for some people they don't consider music you know for people that can understand it and you relate to it they they love that type of thing yeah so. I, I get confused when people try to limit music and put it uh, as Chumbawamba put it, like pickle it and put it in a can and say, this is the only thing that music is. It just doesn't, it, music is just, it's not limited. It's its really one of the most amazing things. The non-demo version now.
Okay, yeah, this version is more airy, I would say, and it and it almost sounds like kind of distant. You don't get that nice, raw, loud noise sound of like the drums just like attacking your ears in a, in a really pleasant way. It almost sounds like they were produced by a, a pop artist that was like, okay, let's kind of like step back from this and listen to it from a distance, mute it a little. Can't wait for The demo version is more exciting and, and raw. Exactly. The, the studio version is more refined. You know, they, they took this away, they added that. The guitar just sounds completely different. You know, they used some type of pedal to create this guitar sound, whereas the demo version, you know, it almost sounds acoustic, but not quite. It, it's enough to where, you know, the, the plug of every string will resonate just a tad. Yeah, yeah, it's, they didn't, I mean, I understand that reverb adds a lot to, to many genres, um, but yeah, it, it can definitely also, in a way, take away from something that they didn't even realize that they had. Yeah, I love the fact that the song is just about space. Yeah, I love space. I have a huge, deep fear of it. You know, if I won a contest to go in space for a minute, like they're doing, uh, I forget the gentleman's name that's running the contest, but I could not do it. Space is terrifying. It's an empty void. There's beauty and majesty in it, but at the same time, it, it scares the crap out of me. I'll be in the world One of the lines uh, that's, you know, it, my favorite repeating verse in the entire song is diners turn into spaceports and I, I love that line so much just something about that sounds so amazing to me you know hopefully when space travel is a thing in the future you're, you're traveling through space you have these amazing truck stop diners that you can stop at with your family on the way to Walt Disney's Mars land or something You know, Space Trek down Spaceway 99. The entire thing is just space related, and I think it's such a cool theme for a song. What if someone gave you a guaranteed safe UFO you could travel to anywhere almost instantly? Is there any particular region of space that you would check out, knowing that it's fully safe, you can always return to Earth? Uh, almost instantly. Uh, probably just the outside of our solar system, honestly. I mean, you know, we're pretty close to the sun. We experience its warmth and everything. But to safely experience the cold and the depth of that darkness being so far away from the sun. At this point in the interview, it sounds as though Steven's music has actually transported him into outer space. We will be listening to him with an echo for the remainder of the podcast. Thank you for your understanding. Just sitting behind Pluto. That would be pretty amazing. <laughs> be Guaranteed great. that, you know, you're fine. You'd be able to get warm again. But I, I honestly think that'd be a fun trip. Well, let's hope that uh, soon we will all be having our own personal UFOs that we can do that with. And... Since we'll be building up community, we won't need to necessarily ride in a personal UFO. We can also ride party UFOs and uh, all get together and we'll go to Disney's Mar Mars Land with you. Yeah, just do a quick dial a ride. 
Zuber over to uh, Marsland. Yeah, it'd be pretty nice. So let's talk about how this... Um, I know you already talked about the nostalgia factor, but how would you say this particular song makes you feel, besides just the theme and the lyrics and everything? Can you talk a bit about that? Because I'm always intrigued by how music... Uh, moves us and and maybe even is capable of putting us in a mood that we are always surprised by every time we hear the song yeah so this song specifically and there have been few like it where they just make me you know want to dance or just get me hyped up essentially um I, I haven't listened to a song in a while that's kind of made me feel that same way. There always be one, you know, here and there. You just got to look through music to find it. But this specific one, it's just the sound of everything, all the instruments, the the guy, uh, Ben Jorgensen, singing the song. You know, it, it just gets me hyped. You know, there's there's songs that people like to run and exercise to just because it, it builds you up to want to do something. You know, you just want to get out of your seat and just, you know, take care of business. And that's just one of them. You know, it's not, it doesn't seem like the intent of the song to be a, you know, rocky song, you know, climbing up the stairs, <laughs> going to go punch the air, things like that. Right. But the, the song kind of makes you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's just what I'm talking about is if that song, some people say, well, this song just makes me want to dance. And that's exactly a, a, a totally great example of what I'm talking about. This song makes me want to run. This song makes me want to dance. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing Armor for Sleep with me. Oh, absolutely. Um, and thank you so much, so very much, for sh- sharing your time with me. Um, and uh, let's uh, finish off by listening to the rest of uh, Slip Like Space, the good version. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what's funny is, uh, so under the same thing, like talking about MySpace from back in the day, yeah. there was a banner I used to have on my uh, profile, and it said, Techno makes me drive faster. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it, like, it really does. There's music, and especially stuff like that, that are in that genre. It's like, dang, dude, I'm going to get pulled over and get a ticket. <laughs> but it, it's funny, too, the same way that like music is transcending all these genres. No one calls it techno music anymore. You know, every single electronic music out there, like two people who are not in the know, they just consider it dubstep. But, mm. you know, that that was the roots of this type of electronic music. Techno was yeah. one of the, or the earliest trip, forms of it. Or uh, house, or... Oh, yeah. I Art guess, style. I guess EDM, EDM, electronic dance music, is kind of like the popular thing that all the kids are doing (laughs) yeah that's the current term for it and it's almost like uh, it's like the umbrella term like when a parent you know is out of like the gaming community and like if you get an xbox or a playstation no matter what you get it's like oh yeah my son's got a nintendo like no mom it's an xbox (laughs) like oh no it's a nintendo that's okay like the same thing it's like every like oh yeah daft punk yeah it's an edm band like no <laughs> i guess by that measure um craftwork is also edm or uh, <laughs> like... yeah it, it's hard i think there are some artists out there that are literally devoting their time to creating this because you see them all the time at those actual festivals um i know dead mouse is kind of relevant to the same thing and he does you know it's it's music that is extremely repetitive 
and you know you'll take like one really good riff one really good you know melody and just repeat on it build on it and that's pretty much the entire 12 minute track that he creates but it almost seems like he creates music for that thing and i'm not saying you know that's what his intention is but um that is definitely the archetype of edm i would say yeah wow yeah and i really enjoy that i can i can enjoy um classical music and hip-hop and country even and and that it's taken me a while to warm up to that uh and, <laughs> and pop and folk and everything and but yeah that hypnotic there's something about techno trip and edm style songs and uh, even this this kind of thing where there's um it's not edm at all but it creates a a, a droning sensation a sensation of of being hypnotized and and yet also there can be excitement and there can be not just um a, a dancey feeling but the feeling of like being transported in a way to another place I want to be the kind of person that can appreciate the depth of just pure melody in classical music, um, but I am sort of training myself to do that. My default, most of the time, seems to be like, yeah, it, like pop and dance and repetitive music. Yeah, it, it's hard to, um, when you kind of venture out of your comfort zone and you're listening to these things that you're not quite familiar with it's hard to not instantly get turned off of it you know when people would make fun of country music it's like oh yeah i could talk about my tractor and my wife and my yeah and all the tragedy that happened to me and yeah yeah and it's like okay yeah there are some songs that are kind of like that but then you hear these other ones that are completely nothing like that and they're almost like a poetic country song. Yeah, or hard, they're you know, almost structured like a joke or a or a story with a. And then something really great happened at the end, and it's just supposed to make you feel good, but it, it's a very silly thing. You know, there is times where you'll find a country song or some genre of music that you've kind of written off already, and it's like, okay, yeah, this is like a banger. This is something I could definitely tap my foot to. Um, it's hard you instantly get turned off you know because of a genre and the hardest thing is opening yourself up to you know try and experience that it's the same thing with like you see food you don't like the look of it you like the smell but hey you don't know how it tastes so you don't want to write that off just perceiving it yes it's almost like a being um a child but whereas food i feel like when i when i was a child I was very, very particular, even more particular than I am now. But with music, if you listen with the ear of a child or something, um, you can sort of just go, oh, this is something new. I can find something interesting about this. I could even listen to children's music with that kind of ear. Not because it's something that I want to listen to all the time, but that you can truly appreciate it if you just, uh, if you just try. Oh, absolutely. In the whole environment of TikTok being one of the biggest platforms right now, people discover music just based off of that app. And I mean, I've found songs and you kind of trace them back and like, oh my gosh, this was from a kid's TV show, you know, however many years ago. And it's resurfaced and become such a popular song for people to make videos to. Yeah, this show called The Backyardigans. And this came out 2004. And there's a song that's currently popular on TikTok, and it's called Castaways. And it's such a good song. I, I'm never going to say that, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go you know, watch the show and stuff. But just something about this song, whoever wrote it, just 
perfect timing, had the greatest idea, and made such a good song that so many people love. <laughs> and it, it's so old. It's 2004. It's like, oh my gosh, what was I even doing in 2004? But here we are in 2021, and everyone's freaking loving the song. It's the most hilarious thing ever. Wow. Okay, now hold on a second. We may have to extend this. Let's, uh, let's take a listen to this song, too. And keep in mind, you know, go in with a child mind, because this was intended for children, so it was extremely simplistic. But the lyrics for a kid's show, they're, they're pretty heavy. All right, here we go. Backyard against Castaways. Okay, I'm liking this. It actually sounds kind of like a, a cross between a commercial jingle, like something that They Might Be Giants might rip off of, or a... Uh, a tropical traditional song at the same time, like yeah, something exactly. from Polynesia. <laughs> yeah, like someone just took out their ukulele real quick, just came up with this quick riff. And... After discovering it, it was just always a line. Just I would repeat throughout the day, just randomly. And it's always <laughs> funny when you find songs like that, you know, just out of nowhere. And I think that's maybe that's where we can finish. Cool. Well, thanks again. Thank you so very much. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, Max. Thank you for the invite. This was really fun. 